Oh, okay. <laughs> it's pretty good. Oh. <laughs> Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's unsportsmanlike convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, welcome to this week's episode of the Unsportsmanlike Convo. This episode is brought to you by Savina's Royal Massage. You might be wondering what that is, Pierre. I'm very much wondering what that is. Savina is looking, my daughter is looking for uh, ways of making extra money because she wants to buy an iPod. So she's a little short and she asked me what she could do. And it started with, I said, well, you can give me a foot massage. I'll give you money for that. And now she has taken that and ran with it. Not only does she, did she give me one, but she has made a price list of how long the foot massages are. Uh, if she uses a, a lotion or whatever. Anyway, yada, yada. I was doing some work on the computer, getting ready for tonight's episode. And when I went in to find out what the kids were doing, uh, I found her massaging my son's feet for, she said she had been doing it for half an hour. (laughs) 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 And he paid her 20 bucks. So I got a picture. He's on his laptop. She's massaging his feet. Anyway. What does uh, she charge for necks? For necks? I'll have to... uh, I'll have to check out her price list, but uh, she's she's made homemade business cards that have book an appointment now, and she's put her information on there. And anyway, that's her uh, her project right now. That is adorable. Uh, Anyway, all right. Um, How are you doing? Uh, How am I doing? I'm good. I thought I was having a heart attack yesterday morning, so I went to uh, emergency at the Ottawa General, and uh, I waited eight and a half hours. To come to the conclusion, well, I didn't come to the conclusion. The doctor told me I had uh, acid reflux. But if anyone's ever had uh, reflux, it feels a lot like a heart attack. The symptoms are similar. But my heart was clearly my heart's fine. And yeah, so basically, I thought the show was going to be sponsored by Pepsid, AC, AD, AC. (laughs) Is that what you're on right now? Yeah, Pepsid. It's uh, to combat acid reflux. But uh, it's pretty, um, it's pretty uncomfortable. It feels like you like a broken rib when you breathe deeply. It's it's an odd feeling. I've never had it before. You know, I, what brings it on? I don't know. Sometimes it's diet. Sometimes it's too much of something in your in your diet, or not some, not enough of something. Usually, it's fatty foods. My diet's been kind of off the rails a little bit. But you know, I work out enough that it doesn't really affect my body. So yeah, I don't recommend it. I also don't recommend sitting around for eight hours at the emergency room. The people are lovely, though. The nurses and the doctors are great, but man, it was packed. And, uh, you know, people were coming in for, I don't know, coughs, colds. Like, don't use the emergency room because you don't have a family doctor. Go to a walk-in clinic for that. Don't go to emergency because you've got the sniffles. That's all I can say to the Ottawa citizens. Please, like, you're you're taking up valuable time for somebody who might be having a heart attack. I would hope that if you were having a heart attack, somebody who would have admitted you would have at least had an idea and say, well, we can't make this heart attack victim sit in a, in a waiting room for eight hours. So um, I don't know what 
they checked you with or whatever, but hopefully they kind of ruled that out yeah. fairly early. And I don't well, know if it's the they, coronavirus yeah. that's making people, you get a cold, get a cough, now they're in an emergency to make sure that they're not contagious with this, uh, the spread of this disease that's uh, going around. Dude, that's exactly what it was. People were coughing. Everybody was wearing a mask. It was like, I'm like, look, I'm coming in here for heartburn and uh, I'm leaving with the coronavirus. Like, it was just awful. I It was it was an awful experience, but nothing the hospital could do. Just people coming in with the common cold, what appeared to be the common cold. When they read, if I don't know if you've ever been to an emergency room, but when when you get registered in, they take your blood pressure, they take your heart rate, and they ask you a few questions. You know, if you're having a heart attack, there's a good chance something will be wonky with the registration process. So, right. um, but yeah, no, I I would hope, like you said, uh, you know, if someone's having a heart attack, not sitting around for for eight, what amounted to be eight and a half hours. But anyway, um, all systems green. I took my first Pepsi this morning, and I'm already feeling a little bit better. So, uh, thanks for asking. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better. Pep taking thanks, the Pepsi. All right, Pep, Pep taking Pep. Uh, I'll also have to watch out, uh, make sure I'm not feeling those uh, indigestion things because I'm trying to listen to you or what those side effects are and, and uh, yeah. understand. I went and played uh, goalie for the first time on ice with uh, some of the guys on Thursday. And, uh, or no, today's Thursday. It was Tuesday. Uh, it is exhausting. Yeah. I had my uh, Apple Watch going under the blocker just to track, you know, as a workout. And it said I burnt something like, just under 1,600 active calories, over 1,800 normally. And so I I was like, I know I'm working, but is it just my heart is on the edge of exploding? Is that why it's taking my heartbeat and it's going nuts? And, you know, I make the joke, or not the joke, but I'm always, you hear stories of of people having heart attacks playing hockey. And it wasn't a day, it wasn't 24 hours later that um, I'm on this goalie group on Facebook because I was looking for equipment and ideas and, um, and they posted a thing, a guy from Alberta, I, uh, shoot, I don't have his name with me, but he's, uh, a member of the, of the military and he plays goalie for a, a team. And he actually had a heart attack and passed away while playing hockey, uh, yesterday, Wednesday. Um, unfortunately, I, I apologize. I don't have his name on the tip of my tongue right now. Um, but, uh, our, my, you know, my thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family and, um, you know, it's a, it's a scary thing when you, you hear those kind of stories. It, it is sad. You know, I think every arena now is outfitted with AEDs and they save lives. No doubt. You are the furthest thing from a weekend warrior, but there are many people I know who aren't very active Monday to Friday and then hit the rink on a Saturday or vice versa, right? Like uh, act non-active for six, seven days. And then they hit a rink all of a sudden and they're not necessarily playing goalie. They could be playing whatever, and uh, that's just, you know, it's a it's a recipe for disaster. You know, if you are a hockey player, whether it's casual or whether it's like, you know, two, three, four times a week, you know, supplement it with some cardiovascular, supplement it with some uh, spin bike, uh, get your heart rate used to getting up that high. It's as simple as that, you know, and it doesn't take a lot. I think people think it takes a lot more than it actually takes. So yeah. if anybody out there has any questions, they can consult with me. I am a personal trainer and. You know, I give free advice, so you can feel free to email me or contact us on the show page. And, you know, I'll, uh, I mean, it's sports, not sports, but it is sports, you know, yeah. so um, feel free to contact me. But yeah, sorry to hear that, buddy. Uh, you know, that's a scary thing, but being goalies, no joke. 
No, being goalie is no right. joke. I'm getting up, getting down, getting up, getting down, left to right. You know, you're you're in your crouch, so you're in a, you're in like a static squat position for X amount of time. It's not easy. No, nope. uh, they make it look really easy on TV. It's fun though, yep. and uh, you know, I was watching my son play it, so I kind of had that itch to try it. And uh, uh, you know, I did okay, I think, but uh, a lot of improvement. But there's a tournament coming up in May, Rinks and Links, that I said I was going to play nets for this time. So it gives me a chance to sort of practice and, and try and get better. And you know, you said I'm not a weekend warrior, but I find the older I get, and I'm creeping into that weekend warrior uh, zone. So I got to sort of pick up my cardio on the outside of hockey. They always say train to play hockey. Don't use uh, don't play hockey to train or whatever. Anyway, or stay in shape. Stay in shape to play hockey. Don't play hockey to stay in shape. That's that's a perfect perfect advice. And it's anaerobic training essentially if you're playing out in the front. And it could be anaerobic playing goalie, but it's you know it's a bit of aerobic and anaerobic training. So yeah, man. Uh, and you know what's great at our age to find something like that, a hobby like that where you can still improve at it, mm-hmm. and it gives you a challenge at our at our later age to to improve in something in the sport. It's kind of cool. That's the biggest thing when it comes to, well, the goalie was a challenge, but the same reason I picked up golf was just, it's not a taxing sport. It's not something you're like, oh, you know, uh, I'm an ex-athlete and I just want to keep playing something. Golf, the struggle is mental and it's just something that you'll never beat the game. So there's constantly something to work on and it just, it, it, it satisfies that one part of being an athlete that, you know, you just want to keep improving and trying to get better all the time. And it's that challenge. It's that drive. It's having that thing that's constantly out of your grasp, that carrot that's hanging in front of you that you'll never reach to try and, and improve. And that's, uh, that's what I appreciate from those, uh, from golf and from, uh, from trying this hockey thing, but. Hey man, it takes courage to try something new. So, uh, I know we were not going to talk about mistakes, but there was a fairly large mistake on the last podcast. Oh, okay. well, pardon me, Mr. Perfect. I guess I forgot that you never, ever make a mistake. I will apologize to the listeners because I listened back to the episodes, as do you. Um, and I was in my truck going to work. And the volume difference between my voice and your voice was significant so if you were listening to pierre's voice at a normal rate you would be struggling to hear what i was saying and then if you tried to turn it up for me then you were blasted with pep's voice right after um hopefully this week will be better um but that's on me i take full responsibility for it when we do the remote shows i record it all as one track and i do the volume adjusting with the roadcaster pro that i use to to record these with um again as we get going and we get pep set up we'll have two separate streams and i can adjust those post recording but right now we do it all through this and i've been pretty comfortable with it but i screwed that up last time and i was so frustrated listening to that show on the way to work that it needed to be on the mistakes of this week so i apologize uh, uh, no apologies necessary. I it, look. It was something that we pointed out, but it, I thought it still was uh, smooth and it went well and came across well to the listener. I haven't had any complaints. Brock, you're your hardest critic, pal. Uh, as everybody is, I guess you're you, you criticize yourself more than anything. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, I will do better. All right, let's get into uh, headlines. 
Headlines with Brock and Pep. All right, our Superman intro song. Uh, so for the headlines, I have a couple to bring up, but uh, the first one was a little bit sombering uh, along the lines of uh, another hockey injury. Um, on February 25th, Tuesday, February 25th, the Hershey Bears played the Charlotte Checkers of the AHL, and in that game was a center stage scrap. Uh, two tough guys, a Kale Kessie and from the Hershey Bears and Derek Shepard of the Charlotte Checkers were squaring off, and it was a very showmanship type fight where they dropped their gloves, um, probably. Uh, one blue line, one of the red line, then they skated to center ice and um, proceeded to fight. And Derek Shepard, uh, after some tussling, got two really good shots in on Kessie, and he fell down unconscious to the ice. Immediately, Shepard and the two linesmen called for the doctor, and um, Kessie was removed by a stretcher with an oxygen mask uh, on. So the sight was fairly horrific. And has sparked a lot of debate in terms of the place of hockey in today's, uh, the place of fighting in today's hockey. What do you think about the whole fighting aspect now, Pep? Are we over this? Is this just hockey's got to turn the page on this? Or what do you think? We're talking about uh, 10 generations of uh, hockey fighting. You know, it's sad to see this. You don't see a lot of it in the NHL anymore. So, you know, sometimes things are staged in the NHL. If they are, it's usually two guys that will chat the night before. The AHL is a different beast. And these guys, you know, in many ways are playing for a role in the NHL. So they're fighting right. their way up. So, you know, they're, the fights are probably a bit more brutal, even if they are staged. And I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if there's a place in in today's game for fighting anymore. Now we talked off air about you know the uh, the bloodlust and is there is there still a need for fighting in hockey to appease fans because that used to excite fans, right? I, as a Montreal Canadiens fan, I used to remember watching Chris Nyland take on everybody on the Quebec Nordique and the Boston Bruins, and I'd get super jacked up. I remember watching Hall Olympics games, six seven fights would break out in a period. And I'd go nuts. We'd go nuts. And those guys would come back and fight again in a, a second time in the same game. Mm-hmm. You don't see that anymore. So you asked me off air whether, you know, the fan base still has the bloodlust. And you think your uh, your opinion is you don't think that hockey necessarily needs fighting anymore. I don't think it ever needed fighting. It was very entertaining. But I, st- I still think there is a group of people, a fan base, that do enjoy the bloodlust, the same guys that love to watch UFC. I've been to a couple of UFC fights, like not live necessarily, but in a bar watching the the, pri- the prime fight of the night. And the testosterone in the house, in the room, is insane. Like it's, guys it's are just unmatched, up, jacked up. Unmatched except for the amount of Ed Hardy shirts in the bar, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so there is, I think there is a fan base. There is a, I, I think people still enjoy watching fighting. I enjoy watching fighting if it means something. If it's two guys that are just like doing it 
to represent their team because that's their role and they're not protecting one of their star players. They're just doing it for a show in the NHL. There's no need for it. But if it's guys taking runs at Sidney Crosby and your enforcer has to step in and say, hey, not going to happen, then then I, I believe in it. But then again, that fighter fights once and he's got a 10 minute misconduct is out for the rest of the game. You know, back in the 80s, that fighter would fight, take five minutes for fighting and come back on. Get it again. He's got 10 minutes for fighting, but still able to come back. So the the game has definitely changed. I hate to see these types of injuries. You know, I, I'd be lying, though, if I said I, did, I didn't get excited to watch a good fight on in hockey. I'd be, I'd be lying. Yeah, and I think, you know, hockey as a sport, um, without fighting, there's just so much chippiness that goes on throughout a game. Um, you know, stick checking and, uh, you know, little things that just aren't called. And the level of aggravation you get when you play hockey. Now, again, I've never played at a high level. I mean, I've never, I didn't even play hockey growing up. But after football, and I played football for a, a good chunk of time, um, very rarely did I want to fight somebody on the other side because I had a chance to hit him next play or whatever. There's one guy, and I can't even, I don't even know his name, but I remember he played for Queens, and we got into it pretty good, and it was cheap stuff. It was him walking by me, stepping on my foot like before plays or you know at the during uh, uh, scrums kind of thing where the refs there. I've you know I'm I've tried to stick my finger in his eye, you know, like when we're in the pile. Like there's those kind of chippiness. That's the only time that's ever happened. But in hockey, I played in two men's league here in Ottawa with uh, some of the boys. And, you know, unfortunately, I'm not welcome back there for life. But they, they are very <laughs> – it's just every kid with a stick is trying to aggravate you. And I just don't know if you can actually pull fighting out of hockey because it's just there's, – there's no place for the guys to explode. If for lack of a better description, like it's just going to turn into, you know, uh, more McSorley type sticks to heads, you know, like that's the only reason McSorley did it as because the Brashear didn't want to fight him and kept skating away from him and he got frustrated and he threw a stick upside his head, you know? So if he can't get his hands on you and to solve that problem and sort of squash it, then it's just going to keep brewing and brewing, and then stuff like that happens. And when you start involving sticks and swinging and heads, now it's assault with a deadly weapon too, right? So it's, I don't know, it's its a tough call to make because you don't want to see injuries like this. But, you know, at the same time, I think of fights and I say, okay, well, okay, some guy took a cheese shot on a goalie, and then you skate as fast to him and you kind of get him, tackle him down. It's not as much of a square off. But then at that point too, you're like, well, is that fair for the guy that gets jumped? So you're like, well, make it fair. Everybody square off, and then you just fight and see what happens. So you're back to, you know, this style of fighting anyway, and then somebody gets hurt. It's, uh, I don't know. I just don't know. Well, they it, can't change it, but I think it's it's a tough one to do. Until hockey decides to remove it completely and then start taking money out of guys' pockets, then we're going to continue to see what we see. So it's as simple as that. Football, basketball, there's zero tolerance for fighting. Uh, in fact, baseball, I think you, you get a huge suspension if you charge the mound now. So it's over. It's over in other sports. You don't see it anymore. You know, in the 80s, guys, the Boston Celtics guys would, would clothesline the Lakers guys on fast breaks. Uh, Kareem actually, like, punched somebody in the, in the mouth and was, wasn't ejected from a game. They, once they removed that from the game... Uh, in the way of suspension and taking money out of guys' pockets, 
then, you know, it dis- it slowly disappeared. Now you don't see it as much. You still see the, the tussle every now and then, but I don't remember. When was the last time you saw a punch thrown in the NBA? Well, so, I mean, I've seen fights yeah. in the NBA, but I've yet to see an actual punch thrown. There's a lot of slapping in the NBA. A lot like. of slapping in the NBA, but in the early 90s, you still saw the occasional guy throw a punch, and if those guys connect, Lord knows what would happen, but it's it's out of the game. It's completely out of the game, and and the same can be said for football. You, you don't see many, although it's stupid to punch a guy with a helmet, but you just don't see it anymore. And if you do, the guy's out for two games. That's equivalent to like 30 games in hockey. So, like, you know, until hockey decides to remove it completely by taking money out of guys' pockets or suspending them indefinitely, then we're just going to continue to see this at the minor league level and in the pros. And, you know, I'd be, again, I'd be totally lying if I said I don't get excited to see a good fight, but I would totally understand as well if it was removed from the game. And one way to remove it from the game is to open up the ice at, at the at the major league level. You know, make it international ice. So these guys, these guys who don't have much talent. Whoops. Jesus. Oh. oh, I think we just, we just lost Pierre. We just lost him. Are you okay? Sorry, I'm... <laughs> Are you on the floor? Sorry. Wow. Sorry, my, my iPad just fell to the ground. And uh, wow, I overreacted. <laughs> As I was saying, uh, the, the the guys who maybe lack a little bit of talent and do f- and fight for a living won't have much of a career on big ice when they got to chase everybody. So they'll be exposed on bigger ice. So I mean, that's a whole other podcast, buddy. I think, but uh, I think you're honest. You know, I like that. If there's more space, there's less of the chippiness too. That yeah, that uh, instigates a lot of that. All right, that's uh, well. That's on that uh, first headline. Um, the other headline that I had, and you could talk about the other two, is uh, congratulations, to Tim Tebow hit a home run in his first spring uh, Mets game. So I got center uh, field. Yeah, not a bad uh, first pitch too. Didn't even uh, sit on it. I think that's he's notorious for swinging at the first pitch too. Anyway, um, and he's going to be playing for uh, the Philippines in the World Baseball Tournament. That uh, comes I saw up. that. So. Uh, his odds of making that team are a lot better than the U.S. team. Anyway, I'm a big fan of Tim Tebow, by the way. So for the record, that's you know. Anyway, we can have an episode on athletes who don't didn't get a fair shot. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I like it too. I like that. What else uh, we got? Well, uh, the Houston Astros lead the Major League Baseball in uh, being hit by pitches already. (laughs) (laughs) I think they're at seven. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, there's a montage of them. And, uh, you know, they were good rib rib shots. uh, You know, nothing really at the head, which was, you know, good to see. Um, But, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's following the script as everybody expects it to. And I'll tell you, I don't see it ending anytime soon. I think when the games start to matter though, and you're putting a guy on base when you're up two to one or three to one, then I think you'll see opposing teams be a little bit smarter about who they beam. But if they're down 10, one to the Astros, uh, Hey, <laughs> heads up. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and you know what, this is what you get for cheating. This is what Rob Manfred, this is the precedent that he set by practically letting them get away with it. I'm and, uh, curious to see how many of the catchers after the guy gets hit says something to the batter and along the lines of uh you didn't see that one coming did you? <laughs> didn't catch that one did you? 
Well, it's gonna. I think some fans already are are banging on the. They're bringing like wooden spoons and banging on the on their chairs. It's hysterical. <laughs> MLB, lighten up, okay. MLB security over the course of the grapefruit season so far, the four or five games it played, are removing signs. Like fans are making pretty funny signs to Astros games, and they're removing them. Like, give me a break, man. Really, the fans pay fourteen bucks to watch grapefruit league baseball. He's he's probably paying another three bucks for uh, for a cardboard sign spending 10 minutes to write on it and bring it to a game. Let the, let the fan have some fun. Hey, they they better get used to it at the major league level. I'll tell you that right now. I saw one sign. It said, uh, my, my other sign was, was much better than this one, but the Astros stole it. <laughs> Air horn. Yeah. Air, oh, I'm on the wrong one. Oh. Anyway, that was pretty good, but the freedom of speech, man, it's the same thing. Just let the guys have yeah. the, anyway, that's right. Up. Uh, the other headline I have, last one, is uh, the whole Tom Brady thing. We're waiting for to see where the Tom Brady falls and where he's going, and it seems like it's less and less likely that he's back with the Patriots. I heard the Patriots haven't even reached out to his team. So, um, you know, I know they've talked to his team, has talked to the Colts, Raiders, and Chargers, I believe, are the three, or three of the, of the major ones. And uh, it's looking more and more like uh, – Old Tom's going to land somewhere else next year. What do you think? Well, Jeff Darlington of uh, the NFL Network, and I think he writes for ESPN possibly. He was on the NFL Network this morning uh, on Good Morning NFL or whatever, one of their million shows that they have that are completely pointless. But he said this morning that he would be shocked if Tom Brady is back with the Patriots which is a far cry from what everyone else at ESPN is saying. They all, everyone thinks he's back. I mean, even I think he'd be an idiot to leave the cocoon, if you will. Like, what yeah. are you going to do? You've, you've known only one program for your entire 20-year career. You're going to go and learn a new offense somewhere else and maybe play behind a line that stinks? The, listen, the Chargers' offensive line is, if not the worst in football, top five. You're going to go play there. I see I see a fit with the Colts because their offensive line is really good and they have a decent running game. I don't see a fit in, in Oakland or wherever they're playing now, Las Vegas, the Las Vegas Raiders. Like, what? what is he really thinking here? What What is going on? I have no idea. Uh, he Again, I think he'd be an absolute moron to leave Hoodie, unless Hoodie and the Patriots are not giving him a choice. But Bob Kraft already said a few few weeks ago, like he'll do everything he can to re-sign Brady. So unless there's an issue with Hoodie and Brady, I, I have no idea what Tom's thinking. Well, leverage. What is he I trying to get leverage is, here? Or what, what's going on? If the Patriots haven't reached out and haven't started that conversation, then what's there to talk about? You know, it just sounds uh, like the the Patriots haven't reached out. So if Kraft is doing everything possible, well, the first thing should be pick up a phone. You know, like, no, I, you know, I, but like what's, I'm sure if Tom and his reps said, Hey, listen, uh, let's get a deal done here. Cause you know, it's uh, the combine and then the draft will be in April. I kind of want to be set and then get with the, uh, you know, the voluntary workouts. Let's go. Let's just get it done now. So this doesn't drag on. What, what's stopping him from doing that? Like, look, are you going to go and play for 40 million instead of 25 million or something like that? Well, he, Tom has more money than he knows what to do with, with his branding and everything. Like, what are you like? What are we talking about here? The and, twilight of your career, Tom. You're not playing the 50. I hate to break it to you. And he's he's also he's not even the breadwinner of his house, apparently. No. What's his, who's he married Giselle. to again? Giselle Bunchen. Yeah. 
and she makes more money than him. I think if he was to go somewhere, if I was Tom Brady and I wasn't going to be the Patriots, I would go to the Colts. Go to the Colts. Frank Reich is the coach. You got weapons. You've got offensive line. They're only going to get better with the draft. Like what? I you know it's just a dome too, so you don't have to worry about you know cold. I mean, you can go, but inclement weather and stuff like that. Hey, you're in. You're inside a dome. Uh, it'd be a little ironic, you know, seeing that it was uh, such a rival when Manning was there. But um, I'm. I really hope he goes somewhere else. 100% because I want to see how he does in a different offense. Um, I want to see Hoodie and Brady separated, and I want to see who comes out ahead. I'm dying to see that. I think most of America, most of North America, would like to see that as well. If he leaves New England, you heard it here first, change your damn uniforms. Go back to the Pat the Patriot that the Bears killed you in in 85. Who cares? It's erase that. But... Bring back the Pat the Patriot, not that flying Elvis thing you got on your helmet. Your helmet looks like a high school helmet. It looks incomplete. You got you just stuck a flying Elvis on it. That hey, you know what? Screw it. Flying Elvis, red face mask. Ah, well, let's just keep it. Let's paint it red. Doesn't make any sense. Your helmet doesn't make any sense. Do you like the Patriots? No, I no, hate them. You hate the Patriots. So don't tell them to change the uniform to something that you would enjoy and be like, you know what? I can't stand them, but their unis are pretty sweet. Nah, you have ugly uniforms. I hate your team and whatever. Perfect. It all lines up. Don't ask them to get something that you'd like and then you're kind of torn. Screw that. Keep your stupid uniforms. Keep your stupid hoodie. Get rid of Anyway. You're always the voice of reason, pal. I appreciate that about you. You know what? It's This is a sportsman-like convo half the time. It is, unfortunately. People want more arguments. Do you have any more headlines? I'm tapped out, Bell. All right, let's take a break. We're going to come back with the NHL trade deadline. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, the NHL just one N. I stuttered. I know the <laughs> NHL. <laughs> I thought it was my earphone. Uh, the double NHL. Yeah, oh, it's great. It's a friggin'. <laughs> Uh, the <laughs> NHL trade deadline has come and gone. And, uh, you know, we saw some pretty good trades. There's 20 trades involving 34 players, 16 picks. Like, there were some key pieces moving around the league. Um, I know that you followed it pretty closely and want to address winners and losers. We're not going to go through every single pick. Uh, I have a few that stood out to me. But, um, yeah, what... Let's just start. Okay, let's start with who you thought the winner was. Who was your take for a team that won at the end of trade deadline? Well, I ranked uh, ranked five teams, but uh, the winner, the ultimate winner, if I were to rank them one to five, number one for me has to be the Oilers. Yeah. Uh, the what the Oilers did, giving up really Sam Gagne, Kyle Brodziak, and a couple of second rounders. Now, don't get me wrong. The second round in this upcoming draft is this is a deep draft coming up in 2020. Yeah, but, I'm going to bring up know, some numbers up, on that in a second, but continue. Yeah, so giving up those two second rounders, uh, Kyle Brodziak, who's really just a third or fourth line guy, and then Sam Gagne, who's been there for a while, but like really just never never amounted yeah. to much. And in return, you know, receiving, I really like Tyler Ennis. I have always yeah, liked yeah. his game. I'm surprised that the that the the Leafs and the Sens sort of gave up on him. I know he's a UFA, so you don't want him to walk for nothing. But you know, picking up Mike Green, who's on the tail end of his career, maybe his best days are behind him when he was with Washington, but still a serviceable guy. Maybe he's going to be a feel rejuvenated playing on a team that isn't last in the NHL. 
And uh, Andreas Athanasiu, who uh, wasn't having a, a, a spectacular year this year, but had a good year last year, and now playing alongside, he's playing on a line with Connor McDavid, arguably the best player in the world. Uh, he had a goal his first first game on that line, and Ennis was on the other side of that line. So, you know, I thought what they did was really, really, really spectacular, and they've set themselves up now to uh, hang on to their playoff spot. And once they're in, as you know, what, look at what Carolina did last year. Once you're in, it's anybody's game. So uh, just getting in the playoffs, I think if, if any other sport, getting in the playoffs in hockey could take you right to the right to the Stanley Cup Finals. So good on them. And you, so I, I'm assuming you agree with me. Is that what you, are you agreeing with me that the Oilers are the big winner? Uh, I am. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. So Mike Green, Tyler Ennis, and what was the other guy's name? Uh, Andreas Athanasiu. Or... That's because you can pronounce it. <laughs> okay. So right. I was just going to keep referring to him as the kid that they got from the Red Wings. Um, I was uh, I was doing the old mirror job when I was at NSU. At NSU. At NSU. Did you practice it? I did. Well, yeah. It's a hard name to pronounce. So, oh, yeah. Good on you. I like it. It's good prep. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, no. I have uh, no ability to pronounce that whatsoever. But he is lightning quick so the yeah. fact that when him and connor on the line that's i'm going to see them march 18th they're in ottawa they're they're back i got tickets for uh for jackson for his birthday so he and i are going to watch the oilers live against the sens and, and i'm dying to see that speed on display and look at look what they're going to be rolling out now come playoff time they're going to get zach cassian back from suspension they've got james neal who's hurt you know these are like they're ready to rumble now you know this is a deep team it's very exciting. I, I, you know, there's, there should be the, the Oiler, Oiler fans. It was looking glum last year because you think, okay, we dealt Tyler, uh, Taylor Hall and uh, we, we, we got a defenseman in return that, you know, it looks like it was a, a really a, a, not a very good trade in hindsight. But now you're right back in it. Tyler, uh, uh, sorry, Nugent Hopkins. Mm-hmm. He's your centerman. He's playing well this year, sort of a rejuvenated year. So, so they've, now they've got, they can roll out three good, fast lines. And uh, Leon Dreisaitl leads the NHL in points. Yeah, and so, he did not no. take any time off when Connor was hurt. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, he's playing a line with Connor. You know, yeah, you're going to get points. It's like uh, Ryan Whitney with Crosby back in the day. Like he self-admits, you know, <laughs> Crosby's yeah. made him a lot of money. But Dreisaitl did not miss a step, miss a beat when Connor was hurt. And yeah. Edmonton's got the nicest uniforms in the league. So, hey. Oh, uh, yeah, arguably, for sure. So, who do – okay, so that was your number one. You said you ranked top uh, five? Yeah, I'll, I mean, I can quickly go through. I yeah. had the Hurricanes as a, a number two. All right. Only Same. because, uh, you know, they they addressed a need in their, uh, in their trading strategy by uh, attaining two defensemen, Brady Shea from the Rangers and Sammy Vatanen. They picked up Vincent Trochuk, who in that trade with Florida might be the best player in the deal, you know, and all they lost really were, and I can't even pronounce half these names, uh, Eric Haula, Lucas Walmark, uh, two other players that uh, are like, were minor league guys, a fourth rounder, Fred Clayson, no idea who that is. So they gave up really not a whole ton to get three bona fide NHL guys to solidify their back end because Dougie Hamilton's been hurt and I don't think he'll be back for the playoff. No. So Vatnin was Hurt, huge. Vatnin was a real big. Canes last year came out of nowhere. I thought so too. From the, the Hurricanes came out of nowhere last year and made it almost to the Cup final. You know, go taking Boston to Game Seven. So you know they're going to be right there. I thought the Senators were big winners. Uh, 
ranked. They, I ranked them number three only because of the draft picks. Next year, they've got a conditional first and second. They've got a conditional third in uh, 2022 for J.P. Pajot. They picked up a fourth for Vlad Nemestikov, a sixth from uh, Toronto for a guy I never heard of, Max Verano, Verano. And then they got another fifth rounder for Tyler Ennis. They're stacked for the next two years in the draft. Yeah, um, well, they're number two in terms of 2020 picks even. The top five or six teams... Montreal has 14 picks in 2020. Ottawa has 13. LA, 11. Detroit, the New York Rangers, and the Leafs are all with 10. Hmm. But then first-round picks of 2020, Ottawa has three. The Rangers have two. And then from the top three rounds, Montreal has six. LA has six. Detroit has six. The Rangers have four. This is in top three rounds. Ottawa has nine. Nine picks in the top three rounds of the draft. Like, if, if you're look, criticizing Pierre Dorian, you really need to check yourself. And again, it's hard to keep rebuilding, rebuilding, sending guys like Pajot gone. And I get it. But this is one of the deepest drafts in recent history. It goes, if you, if you think it goes just at Alexi Lafreniere, you, you haven't been following minor league hockey. There are some studs in the first three rounds and care really high character guys. You know, when I think of high character teams, I think of the penguins, they drafted so well because they've drafted, you know, a, a, a combination of skill and character versus what Montreal's done by just drafting skill. And it, it hasn't panned out for guys like Galchenyuk. And uh, I don't want to say cut Kenny yet. I think he's, he's still 20 years old, but you know, they've drafted on skill versus grit this year. Teams can rebuild in a hurry because of all the grit and talent combined with some of these guys. So super exciting. Uh, really quickly, the Penguins was an, another winner uh, because mm-hmm. they got Connor Sheary, well, re reacquire Connor Sheary from Buffalo. Uh, Jason Zucker, the trade they made before trade deadline day, which was brilliant. And uh, picking up Patrick Marlowe, I, I, I just, I mean, really for, you know, uh, a third rounder, like just a, a really smart move, veteran guy. Uh, the uh, uh, Vegas Knights, Alec Martinez. They picked up Robin Leonard to give uh, Flurry a spell, you know, for, uh, throughout this. It's a pretty last. good tandem and goals right now. Look, they're gonna Flurry will be nice and fresh come playoffs now because Leonard can take some games. And they picked up Nick Cousins from the Habs for, uh, you know, a, a third or fourth line guy. But he was having a good year with Montreal. And lastly, uh, some notables. I thought the Caps picking up Kovalchuk was a really nice move for both both guys. Kovalchuk now has a chance to play for the in the playoffs yep. and play with Ovi and really be a, have sort of have a dynamic duo. I thought JP Pajot, JG Pajot, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a big winner because he got six years, 30 mil. I'll just leave it at that. And the Islanders Canucks, are a pretty good team. Islanders, they got Andy Green in a, in a deal too. I think they're setting themselves up and they've got some nice guys up the middle. Uh, they're going to Matt Barzell up the middle with Pajot. Mm-hmm. Geez, they're going to be tough. Canucks picking up Tyler Toffoli right before the deadline. Uh, a really, really good pickup. He's he he and Bo Horvat and uh, Pedersen are really, really solid. And the Canucks sit in the playoff spot right now. And the Lightning. I thought the Lightning were underrated. They got picked up Zach Bogosian for practically nothing. Blake Coleman. And they gave, this was a tricky one. They picked up Barkley Goodrow, who's a, a gritty guy, a fourth line guy. Has eight goals. Good player. But they gave up a first rounder for him which I thought was a little much for a guy, but those are my winners. 
Well, I uh, I don't disagree with you. I like the Wayne Simmons to Buffalo too. I think he's a good fit uh, within the Sabres organization. You, 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 but so he was on a list of uh, I had him written down on the list of losers, uh, not him personally. But why do you think he's a good fit for Buffalo? And why would uh, why would the Devils trade him to another non playoff team? Why he gets traded, I have no clue. Um, you know, it could be a variety of things. I just think there's some leadership that he can bring to the Buffalo Sabres team that would probably benefit more so than his play on the ice. Um, and sort of that that grit that, uh, you know, he's got like that chip on his shoulder constantly too. And I think that's uh, that's something that will come in handy for the the players that are currently on the the Sabres roster and I think you know that development side of things will be uh a more of an asset than his actual point production on the ice. I'll buy, I'll buy in. I'll buy into that. My biggest loser unfortunately is Joe Thornton. Ah, uh, he was my number 1 too. Poor guy sees Marlowe get shipped off to the Penguins in a Stanley Cup uh race um you know, there was a variety of teams. I mean, the Bruins were on the, uh, the the talk as well of a reunion there and getting him back in for, uh, you know, some playoff run. Um, and all said and done, he never got dealt. So I feel horrible for the guy. And, uh, you know, who knows how many years he's got left if he even comes back. But uh, he was my biggest loser. He was my biggest loser too. And a close second... Um, I got, I had, it was a toss up for me between the, what the Leafs didn't do and what the Habs did and didn't do. I, I got to give it to the Leafs only because again, going back to grit and the a lack of grit on that roster, everyone knows how talented they are, but you know, right before the deadline, the 3 p.m. deadline on the 24th, you know, there was talk about Tyson Berry. He's not a good fit. He's uh, too many mistakes in the back end. And, you know, um, he's done very little what, what during his time in Toronto. We got to trade him. We got to trade him. There were teams that were interested in him, and they kept him. Yeah. You know, I did like I did like the Campbell and Kyle Clifford deal before the deadline. I thought they addressed the backup goalie, and uh, Clifford is a, a gritty guy. But, you know, by not doing anything else, now Muzzin's out for four weeks. You get him back. Uh, just before playoff time, if he's healthy and if they make the playoffs, you know, you really set yourself up for, for a disaster and they don't, they play with no heart. They play with no heart. One of our headlines that we didn't talk about was the David Ayers coming in emergency backup goalie Zamboni driver for the, the Leafs and Marley's. Uh, filling in for the Carolina Hurricanes in the mid-second period against the Leafs, giving up two goals on the first two shots on them, still winning the game 6-3 to three when all said and done. Um, phenomenal performance, not necessarily by him, but by the Carolina Hurricanes when they had to turn it on and say, you know what, our goalie is you know, inexperienced. He's a 42-year-old playing nets against the Leafs, and... The effort and I guess it's a combination between the Carolina Hurricanes giving a shit and the Leafs having no heart whatsoever in that game just looked like a team playing against a team of boys. And it was, uh, you know, from a guy who used to be a Leaf fan and still has a soft spot for them, like it's embarrassing on another level when you can't even 
muster up enough shots to make it worthwhile or even quality shots when a team is already shorthanded. So John Tavares is your captain. Austin Matthews is your arguably your best player. He's got 40 some goals. When Sheldon Keefe takes it, is it, I keep calling him Sheldon. Is it Adam or Sheldon? There was an Adam Keefe that played in the NBA. Is it Sheldon Keefe, their, their head coach? Yeah, Sheldon, I believe, yeah. Sheldon, yeah. Adam Keefe played for the Atlanta Hawks in the 90s. That's how I, I, Sometimes I go in this time warp, guys. When you hit your 40s, you'll know. So uh, <laughs> Keefe took a timeout, and the look on Matthew's face, he, he kind of did the side. And he, he wasn't looking at the coach. Was coach was uh, writing up something on a diagram on a, on a clipboard, and you know, Matthews was just staring out into space and like, you know, body language is, it, 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 there's something to body language. And if you're the leader and some of those young guys are looking up to him, he's, he does have 40 goals and he's pulling that crap. I mean, he's got 40 goals, but none of it, none of them are gritty. You know, they're all off like one timers or I'm not saying the guy's not skilled. He's got great hands. Right. He's but got, if he's your, he's your leader, you got problems. Well, he's a guy, you, a shark smells blood goes for it. This is a guy who's in a race with um, Pasternak for the the Richard Trophy, right? For the most goals or whatever it is. Yeah. And you have an opportunity. So Pasternak, let's say he's not playing and he's watching that game like everybody else in the world is watching that or hockey world is watching that game because they want to see how this makeshift goalie performs. He's a regular guy. Everybody wants to see the Pasternak's watch is going, son of a... He's he's going to pot six goals, and I'm going to have to. It's going to be an easy six goals for him, and he's going to take a lead of four or five goals. It's going to be hard to catch up. What does Matthews do? Nothing. He sits on the bench, like you said. He has these mannerisms, these way like your body language. And news flash to Matthews: whatever body language you, you're giving off is exponentially magnified when you have a stupid ass mustache on your face. <laughs> it's pretty awful it's horrible i'm not judging people on how they look but boy if you're going to be a, a whiny sort of no heart guy and you're going to rock that mustache and he, you know he's rocking it for a joke he's not actually wearing that mustache for any kind of movember or anything like that he's not it's just a mustache because he's trying to be funny it makes it like you said it makes it look a hundred times worse just, i don't yeah uh, the team's got problems. They, they, they've got problems. Nylander and Kapanen. Kapanen was a healthy scratch a couple of couple of games ago. You know, there's problems there. There's there's issues, deep issues. And I don't think Keith is the right coach. And I don't think Kyle Dubas is the right leader. You know, it's it starts from the right. top down. And you know, I don't, I don't. I just don't think they have the the chops. I don't think they have the moxie. And I'm not saying. You know, uh, Mike Babcock was the right guy, and I'm not saying go and get some of these old, uh, these old, old school guys who, but like these guys aren't the right guys, and I don't think Keith is an NHL coach, but that's just me, just based on some of his press conferences. I'm not sold on the guy. So good luck, Toronto. Uh, they're clinging to to life here. The Habs are five points behind them. Uh, there's a couple of other teams that are just just on knocking on the door. So. I, I'll be remiss if I don't mention the Habs, uh, and I'm not going to spend any more time than I have to. But you know, I thought the one good move they did make was you know they they picked up Marco Scandella for a fourth a few a uh, few weeks ago, and they ended up flipping him for a second and another fourth. So you know, smart move by Bergie. But you know, hanging on to Tatar and Petrie, who they have another year on their contract. You know. So at the end of 2021, they'll be UFAs. But considering Barkley Goudreau got a first rounder, what would the Habs have gotten for Tatar and Petrie? You know, you could have, I mean, you talk about all the picks they have. 
could have got more picks. And this is the draft that you want to stockpile picks from. So not quite sure what Bergie was thinking. He dealt Kovalchuk. He dealt Nate Thompson. He dealt Matthew Pekka. And he dealt Cousins. And what he got in return was a third rounder, a fifth rounder, seventh, and a fourth. Two of those are in 2021. So, uh, uh, All right. Unspectacular. We talked about Wayne Simmons. Talked about the Leafs. I thought, you know, a couple of teams, just to put a, a bow, and I know no one really likes when I say this, but I'm going to say it anyway, just to put a bow on my on my end here. You know, by the the Coyotes didn't do much. The Blue, Jacks, Blue Jackets didn't do much. Florida didn't do much. I think those teams are sort of bubble teams, a lot like Carolina was last year, and they saw how well Carolina did without having to make too many moves. I think maybe you're going to start seeing in the future teams do – accessorizing type moves rather than the big, you know, uh, big name guys, because they know now that, you know, you get hot at the right time and you, you get the right matchup, AKA, you know, Columbus and Tampa Bay last year, and you could win a round or two and then you gain a little momentum. And next thing you know, you're in the conference finals. So perhaps we're seeing some of these bubble teams, uh, Colorado even didn't make any moves in their, their first place. So I think we're seeing teams now, Rest on their laurels, you know, stick with the program. Don't disrupt the chemistry too much and, uh, and go with it, which is why it baffles me that the Leafs didn't make a move. Well, you're starting to bleed over into our, you see what I'm saying, topics. So we're going to break and we'll come back. We'll discuss that a bit more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. See what I'm saying. See what I'm saying. All right, staying on a little bit of the same topic in terms of trade deadline deals. In general, trade deadline deals, are these worth it? Are these actually deals that help teams? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, you're not going to see the Wayne Gretzky for, uh, you know, half a roster anymore. Th those trades don't really happen much in during the season uh, in every major sport. You rarely see really big name guys like you're not going to see Kawhi Leonard traded halfway through the season. You're not going to see Giannis Antetokounmpo or any of the real stars in basketball. You don't see that anymore. Actually, if you ever did, I don't I don't think the stars ever really get traded. But you do see a lot of these accessorizing type deals. You know, you mentioned, again, off-air, you mentioned Ray Bork, you know, picking up a guy who's uh, got a year or two tops left, been in the league 20 years, and is chasing the cup. But like you said, Colorado would have probably won that cup anyway without Ray Bork. So, you know, these trades make a difference. If anything, you you, you restock or you, you trade for need. Uh, teams get to rebuild with stockpiling draft picks. And playoff teams get to solidify their depth. And, you know, it's a war of attrition at this juncture in the NHL season. It's a war of attrition. Any, any league that plays 82 games, so in the NBA and the NHL, it's a war of attrition. So to, to deal at this juncture with one-third left of the season, these trades make a difference. They absolutely do. I went back and, and uh, looked at this. This question was brought to you by uh, our producer, Mike Pignette. So we tried to generalize uh, a discussion based on the deadline. And so it sparked some looking back for me. And I, I went through some of the, the deals in the last 10 years to see if there were deals that actually did result in that same year of, of getting to a cup. 
Um, and really, the ones that I found was uh, in 2009, uh, Bill Guerin was traded from the Islanders to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, within He had 12 points uh, in 17 regular season games, and they ended up with 15 points, 7 goals and 8 assists in 24 playoff games, and the Penguins had gone to the Stanley Cup and won the Stanley Cup. And then uh, the other one was actually uh, Jeff Carter from the Columbus Blue Jackets to the Kings, and uh, they won the Stanley Cup, and then that was 2012. And two years later, they also won the Cup again, and he was with them and, and was a pretty integral part of that. But other than that, these teams were, you know, from Aginla going from the Flames to the, the Penguins, uh, Gabrick from the Rangers to the Blue Jackets, uh, Ryan Miller was a big deal from the Sabres to the Blues, uh, Luongo from the Canucks to the Panthers, uh, Marte St. Louis from the Lightning to the Rangers in 2014. Uh, you know, Yermir Yager. I mean, he's, you know, he's pretty old, but from the Devils to the Panthers. Um, you know, Eric Stahl being traded, Ben Bishop. You know, there are some big names going, but none of them resulted in cup victories that year. And I think, you know, if we're looking back at the, um, the teams that are currently champions, you know, the St. Louis Blues won last year and they didn't make any real big moves at deadline. The Raptors, the Raptors, the Toronto Raptors, the NBA champions still, and they didn't make any real big moves. They made a move in the offseason. Um, and then has the NBA trade deadline come and gone yet? It, it has. Well, you know, I mean, if you would consider Marcus all a big move, they did. They got him last year near the deadline. So that was um, him for Valanciunas, right? Like in that, that was uh, for Valanciunas. Yeah. So, but where would that rank in terms of like all-star because Saul's past his prime, you know, yeah, but I think again, we, it, we it lucked out on that. Yeah. I mean, the, the Washington nationals, you know, they didn't make any huge and they had lost Harper like in that off season. And, uh, you know, they ended up winning the chiefs, nothing big. I think what's happening is that like you talk about the accessories, good teams that are either top of your division and playing well, or teams like you talk about, uh, teams that are starting to gel and starting to get on a roll don't want to rock the boat too much because no. there's just not enough time for that extra. If it's such a big piece to come in and really gel and have that cohesive unit that is what's needed for long playoff drives. And I think, you know, uh, more often than not, uh, you know, when if you get somebody who's a big name, it's generally – um, I would say somebody from a smaller market who is an all-star, a clear top player in that sport, and that small market knows that they're not going to have the resources to sign this player who's going to be a uh, unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. And then at that point, they're trying to say, look, we had no shot this year. We've made a bit of a push. We don't have a championship caliber team or we're too far out of it. We need to deal him now so that we can get something in return before we end up with nothing. Which is exactly what the senators keep doing. And it's, it's smart business. You know, you're, you're a business ultimately. You can't just say, oh, we're going to keep him to appease the fans and the guy walks for nothing because then you're going to get crapped on because you kept him. So, you know, and you mentioned like disrupting the chemistry. And when I think about the NBA, for example, you know, the Knicks were rolling – for the, for the first time in about 15 years, they were rolling 
when they had Amari Stoudemire and a few, and he was the center centerpiece. And then they had some really good complimentary guys around him. Well, they went ahead and then they, they decided, okay, well, we need to upgrade even more. Let's get Carmelo Anthony. And they had dealt four guys for Carmelo Anthony. Well, that didn't work out too well for the Knicks. In fact, they ended up, you know, Stoudemire ended up leaving shortly after and the Knicks fell apart. And even before that, the Nuggets were playing really well. They were back on the map, thanks to Carmelo Anthony. He was a young player coming in the league. And they said, well, we got to get him a, a running partner. And they ended up picking up Allen Iverson. And it, again, it just sort of disrupted the the progress of the young guys. And so you see these, these deals can go either way, whether it's a star or no star. And chemistry is a big deal. But when I think of hockey right now, I, I got to tell you, it's Boston for me. It's Boston, Washington, and Pittsburgh in the East. And those teams didn't do make huge deals in the in uh, a couple of days ago, but the Penguins brought back a guy, Connor Sheary, hard gritty guy, knows the system. Jason Zucker was a brilliant fit. This guy is going to be awesome with them, and he's young, and he's they got team control over him for a couple of years. And Patrick Marlowe, it's just brilliant, smart guys, good character guys. Who, if you told me Connor Sheary, is it going to blow you away? Nope. Oh, but he, for for that team, with playing with guys like Rust and guys who've been on the, the championship team a couple of years ago, it's a brilliant moves. It's smart, and they doesn't it disrupt the locker room. And you know, Jim Rutherford knows the window for the Penguins is now. As long as I have Crosby and Malcolm, I'm gonna f- I'm gonna fill this roster with guys that'll support them. That's every year he does this. So, you know, and Washington does the same every year. He they support Ovi. This is these two teams are brilliant, and that what the Hurricanes are doing. I mean, so yeah, trades make a difference as far as I'm concerned. You know, even the lesser trades, we just bring in character guys. It's when you go for the home run when you're when you're shitting right. the bed and you go and try to hit a home run with a trade, and that's usually when it doesn't work. Well, that's always seems to be what the fan wants too. They want to see the big names get moved. They want you know somebody to land you know a a, a whale to come and help their team or to save yeah. their team or to whatever. But if your team has to do that, then your team has no shot to begin with. And in many ways, I respect Bergevin for, you know, not giving in to the fans. They've got a system. It's apparently surrounded by, you know, uh, it's it's uh, dependent on the draft. Um, he doesn't have stars to really surround guys with. I don't know who he considers the star on the ice currently in, in Montreal other than Carey Price. But, you know, I are you I surprised Carey Price not- wasn't dealt? What's, what's that story? Are you surprised Carey Price wasn't dealt? No, 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 no. I, I mean, I part of me would love to see it. It's funny you say that because they were up 1-0 going into the third and they've lost 5-2 to the Rangers. So yeah, they, can't hold, they can't hold a lead to save their lives. I don't know if that's the, 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 the system. I think Claude Julien is the wrong coach for these guys. I don't know what's going on, but this was... This was I thought the the I thought the end was last game when they were up one and they ended up tying and losing in overtime to the Canucks. This is definitely the uh, icing on the cake for them playoff wise. They were there was a glimmer of hope, but this this loss tonight at home to the Rangers, up one zero going into the third, you lose five two. So you know this just infuriates me. Uh, just brutal. Uh, am I surprised they didn't deal Price? No, no. I think the fan base would uh, the, the Patrick Wad, the, the similarities to the Patrick Wad deal would just be it would haunt Montreal for another twenty years and. Yeah, you know, yeah. you're stuck with him. It's a terrible contract too. Who's going to take him? All right, last uh, last question for you before we wrap this up. Put a bow on this episode, if you will. Yeah, boy. <laughs> um, the Sens, with as many picks as they have, 
when you talk about it being a pretty deep draft, how many picks, or do you think they do it all, move, either trade up in the draft to get maybe the number one overall, or do they trade some picks to get some very quality vets? Um, how do you think these guys, the, the Sens play their their plethora of draft picks in the first three rounds this year? Uh, the only way the Sens are – no, they're, not, they're certainly not going to deal for vets. They will use every draft pick, every asset they have in the draft, and if anything, they're gonna, they'll draft up. They, they have enough second and third round picks to, to flip those for a first rounder. So I don't know how they have three first round picks. They could have four. Mm-hmm. You could have a team like, like a stacked team like Pittsburgh, who's like, you know what? I don't, I don't need my first. I, uh, you have it. Give me a second and a third. Uh, I could see them doing something like that, you know, uh, because they have the Sharks first round pick, I believe plus their own. There's a good chance they pick top three. If they don't get Lafreniere, they can get Drysdale, the uh, the defenseman who's a stud. Like, they're going to get, a, you know, a franchise-changing player in the first round this year, or two. It'll be interesting. It just, you know, when you have teams that have a lot of picks like that, the strategy comes into play. I was very intrigued to see what the Browns were going to do when they were doing their draft, and they had to... You know, the number, uh, was it number one and number three picks or whatever? Um, they did not do what I thought they, or what I would have suggested doing. And, uh, you know, clearly my choices would have been better. But, um, yeah, it does make the draft strategy and the draft day a lot more uh, strategic and enjoyable to, sure. to, to, to see. Yeah, I got I to say this, though, Brock, uh, aside from this completely off topic, about a year, uh, two years ago, I gave a pretty extensive list of NFL teams that need to change their uniforms. And a few of them have already done it. And a few more are doing it this year. And all the teams that have changed their uniforms in the last, say, uh, two, three years have were on that original list I had created. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are changing their uniforms. I'm so curious to know if they're going back to the creamsicles. I hope and so. Bucko Bruce on the helmet. I, I hope. I, I don't know, though. Um, the Rams are finally going to settle on a uniform. I, I don't think the Rams is going to be a huge deal. I think they're probably going to go back to those like blue and yellow ones that they wear, the retro ones. But we'll see a new uniform from them. The Cleveland Browns are going to launch a new uniform at draft day. And uh, much to my surprise and delight, the Atlanta Falcons are going to change the uniforms. And there's some speculation that they're going to go back to the red helmet from the, from the 80s. And uh, it's exciting, man, when you rebrand a little bit. Some of these t- franchises that are old, I kind of want them to go back to the old simple stuff. It looks so good. It looks so good. New England, are you listening? No, we've already we've already established. <laughs> Stay where you're going, New England. Stay where you are going. I want every aspect of your organization I want to dislike. So don't throw out anything cool. All right. On that note, we're going out to uh, another song. Again, I'm addicted to Entourage. The I want to play clips of Johnny Drama on this show all the time because it makes me howl with laughter. The nostalgia I get watching that show of just the different cell phones they go through. And I was like, I used to have all those. I was addicted to cell phones. I love cell phones and technology. So, you know, the old Blackberries, the flip phones, the razors, all that kind of stuff was there. Just it's like going through uh, our... 20s, I guess, kind of in that sort of range, 20s, 30s, you know, where you start getting 
to adulthood. And anyway, it's uh, I love it. But we're going out to this. It's uh, Jay-Z, Lucifer. If it makes you happy, buddy. You got to watch it, bud. Laughter is the best medicine. Yes. I'm from the murder capital where we murder for capital. Hope you've been reading your songs and chapters, paying your tithe.